Well, it is great to be with you. So glad to have you here again. And uh, just a reminder or a, a suggestion as the sun moves, if you need to move your square with it, it's totally okay. We'll have just kind of as we go, we'll make this work. So again, good to see you online and then in person. Uh, we are in a series that we are calling Refresh. It is a summer through the Psalms. And uh, the whole point of this and the goal of this series is that as we go through the Psalms, uh, often we see the authors there writing things, uh, kind of expressing their hearts. And we find throughout the Psalms that uh, sometimes they, they have these Psalms of lament, which are just kind of describing how the world just seems to be broken and out of order. And then there's Psalms of praise, where often are, hey, we believe God has given order to the world, so we praise God. And then there's Psalms that kind of are a combination of them of saying, hey, the world's out of order, but we trust in a God who's putting it back and who ultimately is in control. And, and so sometimes when we read through these Psalms, we can find uh, common uh, friends in the authors that we say like, oh, I've thought that before. I've felt this way. So our ho- hope is that we can be refreshed this summer as we reflect and are reminded of the character of God and as we're reminded of what that means for us. So with that said, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Psalms, verse fi- or chapter 57. That's where we're going to be today. Uh, and as you came in, if you uh, scanned your QR code, there's a digital bulletin that has notes for you to follow along with that. For those of you who are here online, I believe the notes are available for you there. So we're going to jump right in. And before we do, let me just pray with you. God, we thank you for t- this day. And we just pray now, Lord, that you would... Uh, speak to us, and that, Lord, through your word, we want to hear from you. And so we know you're present. We know you're here. God, change and shape our hearts today. In your name, amen. All right, so Psalm 57, we're going to get started. on. What I want to do is I'm just going to read through a few verses, and then we'll kind of uh, talk about some of that, and then read the second part. So Psalm 57 begins like this. David is writing this, and he says, Be gracious to me, O God, be gracious to me, for my soul takes refuge in you. And in the shadow of your wings I will take refuge until destruction passes by. I will cry out to God most high, to God who accomplishes all things for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He reproaches him who tramples upon me. Selah. And every time in Psalms you get to Selah, it's actually, no one really knows what it means, but we use it as it's some sort of a, a pause. It could be a time to stop and reflect. It might be a musical note, but here it is, Selah. Move on to the next one. God will send forth his loving kindness and his truth. My soul is among lions. I must lie among those who breathe forth fire. Even the sons of men whose teeth are spear, spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword. Be exalted above the heavens, O God. Let your glory be above all the earth. So this first part here, we see that the psalm is really broken into two parts. You have uh, the first one that is dealing with this idea of um, kind of a cry for mercy to God. And it ends with, be exalted, O God, above all the heavens. The second part will end with the same refrain. And so you can see how it's even as a song. But so he's proclaiming here, it's a cry to God for mercy, Now, I want to just point out a few words that will help us understand for today. The first word there, you see, he starts off and says, Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I take refuge in the shadow of your wings. So first of all, refuge, according to the Webster's Dictionary, is a condition of being safe and sheltered 
from trouble, a condition of being safe and sheltered from trouble. Uh, yesterday was 4th of July. It was, yeah, it was a good, it was a fun day, but it was not a normal one for us. All of the kind of normal routines were taken away. Uh, I miss hanging out. We, you know, we usually start our 4th of July hanging out with hundreds of people from Seacoast down at the beach. And uh, so we walked on the beach yesterday and ran into one other couple. So there was four of us from Seacoast hanging out on the beach. I know we were all scattered in different places, but it, we kind of missed that piece. And then... Um, as the day went on without, we usually go and watch fireworks. There wasn't a lot of that going on, just the usual neighborhood ones uh, that happen. And when you have neighborhood fireworks, if you have a dog, we have a golden retriever, a 100-pound golden retriever. Uh, they, don't all, they don't like fireworks the way the rest of my family likes fireworks. And one thing that my dog does usually, I, um, I'm the one, I take the boys with, or go watch fireworks, and my wife stays home with the dog. And... Uh, and she always says he follows her everywhere during Fourth of July. Like, and he usually doesn't leave his little space downstairs, but he, wherever she goes. Well, yesterday I was home because we didn't have anywhere to go. And we went on a hike in the afternoon uh, after dinner. And I came home, I was super sweaty. So I'm like, I'm just going to take a shower, then we'll go hang out. And I'm in the shower, and all of a sudden I hear some panting outside of the shower curtain. And I look, and... My 100-pound golden retriever has his head, like, looking through the curtain at me, just like, hey, what's up? Because <laughs> he heard these fireworks going on, and he couldn't, and I think he was actually considering getting into the shower with me, which is like, you need a bath, might as well. But, uh, so, but for me, I was uh, kind of laughing at him, and then I realized, like, this is, this is the idea of refuge. He was looking for shelter from trouble, and I was thinking... Could, wouldn't it be great if we were like our dogs when we felt insecure or in need of something that our first response was to go find our God and to find shelter in him? Just as my dog knows, I, want to, I can't be close enough to you right now. I need your refuge in you. That should, I wonder how often do we think this way about our God when we're feeling those moments. I think in the last four months, many of us have had those times when we're challenged. Where do we turn to when we need where do we turn to when we need refuge? And so the psalm, I love how it starts off. Be gracious to me because my soul takes refuge in you, God. And then he th throws out this other phrase, in the shadow of your wings. Now I want to talk about that for a little bit because this is a, a Hebraic term. It's used uh, in, throughout the Hebrew scriptures. It has a lot of important meaning throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament. So shadow of the wings is really just this imagery of essentially a bird is, and sheltering its young. But when it's used in connection with Israel, it often brought on this idea of protection and deliverance in connection with God's covenant with his people or God's promise to his people. So I want to show you in Deuteronomy chapter 32, it's used here in verse 10 and 11. It's speaking about the nation of Israel and said, he found him, uh, God found Israel in a desert land and in the howling waste of a wilderness, he encircled him. He cared for him. He guarded him as a pupil of his eye. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that hovers over its young, he spread his wings and caught them. He carried them in on his pinions. This is talking about God's promise to Israel that he, he protected. It was a covenant deal that he would shelter them in the shadow of his wings. We find in Psalm chapter 91, David again is writing. He says this, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. 
For it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper, from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you may seek refuge." His faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. So in both of these, there's this idea that it's God's faithfulness, it's God's character, it's his promise to his people that we can find this refuge. So when you have shadow of the wings, it's in connection with the faithfulness of our God. Now, it started taking on some other meaning as well, or the word shadow or the wings started taking on other meaning. It often was associated, we find it throughout scriptures, where wings can also mean the edge of something, in particular in the edge of a robe. And throughout Hebrew culture, by the time of Christ, even on the edge of their prayer shawls, the same word is used for wings. It essentially would say these are the wings of the prayer shawl of a reminder of we are under the protection, under the covenant of our God. We find it also in, during the time of the kings in the Old Testament that the robes and the edge of the ro- robes took on different significance. It actually, those edges, which could be called the wings of the robe, were a symbol of the power and the authority of the king. It was to mimic what they would see in heaven. So here's the idea. If you, uh, there's a story in scripture where King Saul was the first king of Israel And he was pursuing David because David was anointed by God to be the next king. Saul had some jealousy issues. And at one point, we find a story where David is hiding from King Saul in a cave. And Saul walks into the cave, doesn't know David is there. And we see David sneaks up on Saul and cuts the corner of his robe off. And that's it. Saul leaves the cave and David starts feeling completely guilty. Why did I do that? Now, if we read that, we think, whatever, you ruined his robe, no big deal, you cut the edge off. But again, with the understanding of what the shadow of the wings, the idea of the symbolism of wings, what David was saying is, I remove your authority, Saul, as being king. By taking that, he was making a statement that says, you are no longer king over Israel, I will remove that authority. So the, the corner of the wings, or the, even of the robe, became very important symbolism there. So let's keep that in mind. We're going to come back to that in a minute. Let's go back to Psalm 57. Pick it up in verse 6. As David continues, writes, he says, They've prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They dug a pit before me. They themselves have fallen into the midst of it. Selah. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises. Awake, my glory. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the, uh, the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the prophets. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your loving kindness is great to the heavens, your truth to the clouds. Be exalted above the heavens, O God. Let your glory be over all the earth. Now, he ends The second part, so the first part of the psalm was a cry to God for his mercy. The second part, what we see is kind of a response to God because he received an answer. But I want to point out a couple more words that popped up twice here in this. First of all, the word loving kindness, some of your translations have mercy. It's the same word translated, it depends on your translation how they want to record it, but it's the same word for mercy in the Old Testament, hesed. It's God's unconditional loving kindness towards us that shows up in the case of mercy. So we find it in verse 3. He said, David writes and says, God will send forth his loving kindness or his mercy. And then we see that again 
down there in uh, verse 10, your loving kindness, your mercy is great to the heavens. I want to talk about that word just for a moment because it fits in with the rest of the thought here. That use of God's loving kindness or his mercy, we see it 245 times throughout the Hebrew scriptures. We also see it described of God's character throughout the New Testament. We find in Isaiah 54, verse 10, it says this, For the mountains may be removed and the hills may shake, but my loving kindness, my mercy will not be removed from you. My covenant of peace will not be shaken says the Lord who has compassion on you. So here in Isaiah, there's this idea of God's loving kindness of his mercy. And it's again, based on the character of God. It's based on that he is good, that he is a loving, he is a God who is loving and kind and merciful. And that cannot be removed. It's connected to his character. In Ephesians chapter two, verse four and five, Paul is writing about God's mercy, his loving kindness. And he says, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even while we were dead in our sins, he made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you've been saved. So what we find is this word mercy or loving kindness throughout the scriptures relates to the character of God and his promise to us. Mercy in God's kingdom is not earned. It's been given because it is in the very nature of who God is. It's in his nature to be merciful. It's in his nature to be loving and kind when we don't deserve it. See, we don't always really understand that word that much because mercy really means not getting what you deserve, but we use it in all kinds of other ways. We use it in the form of sports, kind of quite often sports, take no mercy or I'm not going to have mercy on you. Uh, we recently were able to start practicing baseball again, and so I have a team that I coach of 13 and 14-year-olds. And uh, one thing that I really enjoy about that age is I can actually play. You, you know, it's, it's not teaching them as much as I get to play because they can hit and they can throw and all that. And so we always end practice with a game. And uh, last week we were practicing... And at the end of it, I, the player's like, are you going to play too, coach? Like, of course I'm playing. It was a hitting game. I was like, I'm going to destroy you. There's no mercy here. So, um, which my wife's always like, you know, you're talking about beating 13-year-olds, right? And I'm like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> so we played the game and it got to one player and me at the end. And he looked at me like, this isn't even fair. It's just the two of us. It's not fair. I'm like, life's not fair, pal. There's no mercy. So And yeah, I had like a walk-off home run to win. And yes, they were 13-year-olds. So... <laughs> I felt good for a few moments. But we sometimes misunderstand this word. And we think somehow we need to set ourselves up to deserve mercy when God says, no, you couldn't deserve mercy. But you'll get it because of who I am. Because I'm good. The other, thing, the other word I want to point out here is the word truth. He says, David says, you will send your, mer- or your mercy will be to the heavens and your truth to the clouds. Both of these are actually just symbolic of saying, as far as you can see, if, if any of you tuned in last week and, and we had that, the sermon, we talked about how big the universe is. When we think about that, David is essentially saying, your mercy extends to the heavens. Not it stops there, but your mercy will be known throughout all the heavens, throughout the universe that is your nature, your character is being known. And it says your truth extends to the clouds. That doesn't mean God's truth stops at the clouds. This is just a poetic way of saying the same thing. Your truth goes beyond what we can see. Your truth, who you are, God, extends beyond all. 
And so when we read throughout scripture, we start to look at like, well, what is truth? How do we understand God's truth? And there's, you know, obviously a lot of conversation around that. But what we find is very, in the character of God, who he is, is he is the definition of truth. And in Jesus, Jesus says in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So what we see is that God's truth, the truth about who he is, the truth about nature, is in the embodiment of God's truth is in Jesus. Jesus is the fullness of truth. When we see how he interacted, how he lived, what he taught, this was God's truth put on display in the life of Christ. And so as David is writing and he says, your mercy extends to the heavens, your truth extends to the heavens, the fullness of who you are, God, it goes throughout the universe. Now, there's some pretty cool symbolism when we're going to tie all of this together that happens. See, there's a story in the book of Matthew chapter 9. In the book of Matthew chapter 9, we have Jesus, who's the embodiment of truth, and if he's God's character on display. It means he's full of mercy. In Matthew chapter 9, he was, in a, he was teaching. People knew who he was. He was healing many. And in verse 18, it said that uh, there was a syn- synagogue official who came to Jesus and said, my daughter is sick. Will you come and heal her? And Jesus says, yes, I will. I'll go with you. So he leaves and they walk through the crowd and the crowds are packed in. This is a pre-COVID crowd. There's no physical distancing happening. Too soon on that joke? Too soon? Okay. Erase that one. So they're, they're packed in and he's walking and it says this in verse 20. A woman who'd been suffering uh, for 12 years from, from bleeding came up behind him, touched the fringe of his cloak, for she was saying to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will get well. And Jesus turned around and said to her, daughter, take courage, your faith has made you well. In the book of Luke, in the parallel passage, says Jesus stops and he says, who touched me? And everyone's like, I don't know, everyone's touching you. And he said, no, I know someone touched me and the healing went out from me and healed her, and she came forward. Now, why do I bring that up in the midst of Psalm 57, talking about God's mercy and truth? If you recall when I talked about the shadow of the wings, the edge of the cloak had that same terminology of wings. And in the New Testament, the prayer shawl that Jesus would have been wearing was a representative of being under the shadow of the wings, but even something more. In Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, yes, Malachi is a book in the Bible. It says this, but you, for you who bear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. You will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. See, this prophecy in Malachi is about the Messiah, about God in the flesh, that God coming to earth, and calls him the son of righteousness and says there will be healing in his wings in the edges of his robe. If Jesus is the embodiment of God's truth, if the loving kindness and mercy of God is fully known in Jesus, if he even symbolically is wearing this robe that has this healing in the wings, this woman touches Jesus because she knows her scriptures. Because she knows, wait, this is what's prophesied about a Messiah who'll be here. This is our God. And the very fact that she touched the edge of the robe was her way of saying there's healing in the wings. This is God present with me. 
why Jesus turned around and said, your faith has made you well. Her faith, didn't she just touch his robe? That very act was her proclaiming, in the shadow of the wings of the Almighty, I will seek refuge. This is the only one to whom I can find hope and healing. I'm turning now to my God who's right before me. And we find in that moment the loving kindness, the mercy of God is on display in Jesus. The woman doesn't deserve it. She didn't earn it. The embodiment of truth and goodness of who God is was made known in that moment and she was healed. She expressed faith that who he was. As we end our time here, I want to recall you back to Psalm 57 and verse 11. You see, because when we reflect on the character of our God, when we reflect on his loving kindness and on his mercy, the response for us is to, is to proclaim, be exalted, O God, above the heavens and let your glory cover the earth. When God's character is on display, the literal definition of his glory is the, his character, his likeness, let it cover the earth. For our lives now, God's glory covers the earth, yes, in nature, but it also covers the earth in the lives of you and in me. And the people who've been transformed by Jesus, the people who are being transformed by Jesus, those in whom his very presence is being lived out, we are the ones who put God's glory on display. And if I think of what our world needs now more than anything, is loving kindness and truth, compassion, mercy, the life of Christ in you and in me and put on display. The glory of God will cover the earth as we're transformed by him. What our world needs is us to really allow the life of Christ to be made known through us. Our friends who do not yet know Christ need to see Jesus in you and me. We need to be praying for that. I think the world right now is finding that there's not hope in all the other solutions. Maybe temporary, maybe small pieces of hope, but ultimate hope is in the true loving kindness, in mercy that can only come from our God. As we end our time here, I want to invite Dom and Casey back up and we're going to respond just with one last song. And as we respond, let's be reminded of it is God and his character that we sing about, that we find our hope in, that we celebrate. And so as we respond to this final song here, let our hearts be hearts that say, God, it is because of you, your loving kindness, your truth, your character, that we have hope. And we want to proclaim that hope. We want to bring that hope throughout the earth. So pray with me as we end. And I want to invite you, would you stand if you're able as we uh, sing this last song? At home, you may stand as well and sing with us. God, we thank you so much again for today. We thank you for the reminder of your truth. We thank you for your loving kindness, for your mercy. We thank you, Lord, that we don't even have to earn that that we receive because it is who you are and you freely give. So I pray for anyone here who has never received that mercy, 
Anyone here who forgets that that mercy is available? Anyone who wants to or feels like it needs to be earned back? God, would you allow us to receive it today? And God, through our lives, could we bring that mercy, that truth, that compassion and grace, kindness and patience? Lord, would we bring your gentleness, your understanding, so that your glory will cover all the earth? through the lives of your people. And so, Lord, we just pray now that you would move here. You would move in our homes. You'd move in our cities, in our state. Lord, we proclaim that you will be exalted above all the earth, above all the heavens. We proclaim who you are today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.